Show presents Scratch It Trailer. The podcast where we debate which track to scratch off some of the most known and unknown albums of all time. We live in an era of singles. This is an album. People no longer listen to an album for the work it truly is. It kind of defines a band. It's just not something that people relate to nowadays. We've all gotten the dreaded. Started out as a game. Which track on the album would, would you scratch out if you had to? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Scratch a Track, presented by the Dude and Grim Show. I am the Dude, and with me, as always, is Grim. What up, Grim? What up, dude? All right. What do you say we catch a little fire here, my friend? Yeah. Um. Let's let's do that. I'm. I was. We can start with. I was very surprised to learn what that phrase actually meant. <laughs> I was as well. I mean, if you look at the cover of this classic, one of the most classic uh, reggae albums by Bob Marley and the Whalers. I mean, he's smoking just a nice giant turkey leg. And Spliff. my thought to catch a fire was that he's going to pass that your way. And man, what are you, you're going to check it out. But Dude, apparently it, it basically means like burning hell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is interesting because it goes with the album's kind of, uh, for the most part, overall theme, which talks about social injustice and uh, kind of the the plight. A lot of the, <coughs> pardon me, more uh, yeah. poor Jamaican people, I think, were, were yeah. going through. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely it, it has the theme and, and a lot of Marley's stuff is about the you know social injustice, slavery, oppression. Yeah. Um and then he also talks about love and positivity and in overcoming that stuff, but uh he definitely um, he, he was not afraid. Like, I, I think in the, remember in the documentary that I think you got me for my birthday years ago, it was something like, you know, using his guitar is, is a gun, you know, yeah, like yeah. That, that was, that, that, that was, was his like weapon. His gun. That was his weapon. So, uh, you know, and, and this is one of those albums where he, he definitely, uh, definitely lets it out, but he's, he's been known for that, you know, Bob Marley and the Whalers, uh, their, their music is known for that. Peter Tosh, even in his solar career was, was very much so almost a little more, yeah. it seemed a little more aggressive. Wouldn't you say? With Peter I, Tosh, I, I always, would say, and, and I mean, his, he doesn't really skirt around the issue at all. And his, um, I'd say his hardest hitting song on the album, uh, which we'll sure. get into, but yeah, I mean, yeah. he actually, you can find pictures of him online where he had a, an electric guitar fashioned for him that was in the shape of an M16. Right. I mean, it yeah. was it was badass. So, like, He's literally using the, the guitar as your weapon at that point. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, maybe before we get into talking a little bit about just this album in particular, just uh, going back and talking a little bit more about reggae and, and the reggae sound and Bob Marley's sound, for me, and, and it's just as kind of, I would say, maybe your average listener, a lot of times I would say musically, there isn't something that that stands out in a typical manner of of some 
some of that music uh, or other bands and albums where like, oh man, that was just a killer solo or he really shredded the vocals on this one or there's this, you know, awesome, you know, drum intro and, and whatnot. Uh, a, a lot of the, the reggae sound, at least that I've heard, kind of has a formula to it a, a, a it's little bit. It's a groove. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a groove. Well, and so, it, go, yeah, go on. Yeah, and I was just going to say, it's to me, it's maybe not, uh, first of all, that's okay. Um, and I think it's it's not maybe so much about um, the music and, and, and even the sound of it. It's A lot of it to me is about what it's saying and what it stands for. Yep. Yeah, and, I agree with and, that. And, and that, that, that's, that's kind of how I, I relate to it, um, as, as opposed to maybe some other genres of, of music where there might be, I, I hate to use the word variety, but where, where there's some, some more differences. I, guess. I, I hear you. And, and there is there is a certain... I don't know if formula is the word I want to use, but I, I, I see where you're going with that, where there's there's a very consistent feel throughout it. Um, and sometimes it, it's like about the riffs that are buried deep down in there. Um, sure. You know, it, it's they, they just they really put it together nicely. And one thing that I've always found interesting about it is typically you don't, always think of the guitar as a rhythmic instrument right. but they they yeah. use it that way which is cool because yeah. it's both rhythmic and tonal at the same time yeah which which i yeah. think is cool and it just it does kind of have a bite you know on those eh, eh. yeah yeah it does it's really interesting you know just there, there's not i'm trying to think of you know other bands have have had songs like that but it's pretty consistent throughout almost every Bob Marley song. Um, you know, I'm sure with a few exceptions here and there where it's the, just the scratch and it just kind of keeps, keeps that beat going. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is the rhythm, but they use, they use things <laughs> in, in other, uh, interesting ways. I mean, they, they have a way of using the Hammond organ in just a really chunky and rhythmic way that it was absolutely not, in air quotes intended for when it was created, but it, it one of the kind of little variances or things that you can do with that instrument is use it in, in that, in that really chunky percussive way that, sure. that they do, whether, you know, like I said, with the guitar, I mean, everything becomes a rhythm instrument in a way in like the, the melody is the voice. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so <laughs> I know you and I both found this a little, a little interesting, um, but this is the, the fifth studio album of Bob Marley and the Whalers, and it was released mm -hmm. in April of 1973. And actually it was their first album that was released on, on Island records. Um, so, and it, I found this, the, the story behind it a, a little interesting because I mean, they had been making music for years i mean this is, is it's not like i mean yeah it was their fifth studio album but uh some people may be aware of like kind of the lee scratch perry sessions when they you know were recording that music and he basically since he produced the music he thought he had owned it you know yeah. the, the owned it had had the rights to it and so that's why when you a lot of times if you go online um or you go into stores that they talk about where you'll see like groups of songs with just you know all different album covers different album names just a whole different variety of but that um, same sound of, 
Yeah, yeah, basically it, a versions of stuff. And like, a great sound. I mean, honestly, that yeah. that is some of my favorite recordings of theirs. I feel like he did capture something in those recordings that I don't know that anyone else ever got the same. I'm not going to say got it right. I like yeah. it the best, but it doesn't mean it's right. But no one else ever got it the same. Yeah. And and I without really pulling everything up, I can say that at a minimum, uh Stop That Train, which is on um Catch a Fire, is is in those yeah. sessions. And as you go through the years and listen to his uh Marley's music as it got later and later you'll find all over there were songs that that he would redo and yep. and I think Peter Tosh would even did some on his own yeah yeah I think 400 years might have been uh, an older one too maybe even stirred up I I mean I I know there's some that they you know they had they had from those Lee Scratch Perry sessions and then they did re-record them and put mm-hmm. them on 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 other albums is is newer kind of updated versions yeah and they are very different i mean the the older lee scratchberry ones i mean very just kind of almost demo-ish raw sounding um but still really good too oh yeah they they just it just it it has a sort of romantic quality that's it's 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 pretty cool not that they weren't hungry when they were doing this album but they were like real hungry when they were doing that stuff you know i mean like yeah and and there's there's something there's something that shows through in that. Yeah. Well, I found it interesting that they, uh, to make this album, they actually, they were touring in the UK and they, when they got done with the tour, they didn't have enough money to get, to get back home. to Jamaica. Yeah. Right. And, and so Chris Blackwell, who was with Island Records, he, you know, he had released some of the band's singles over the years and they got in touch with him and basically they kind of struck a deal to get an advance on the money for to, to do an album for Island Records so that way they could they could fly back to Jamaica. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have been stuck there. So uh, what I saw is that Bunny Whaler said that they were paid four thousand pounds to record this album. Now, I don't know if that translates into dollars in 1973, but that can't be a whole hell of a lot, man. No. No, not like, at all. And I, you know, uh, one thing to consider though is that they did go back to Jamaica to record it. Whereas if you would have stuck around in London and gone to like Olympic or Abbey Road, <laughs> pretty sure your bill would be a lot higher yeah, there than it would be at bit. these studios in Jamaica. But right, uh, you right. know, regardless, it yeah. got them home, and and then they recorded it. Yeah. Well, and so, yeah, so they went back to Kingston. They recorded it in a bunch of different studios there. And then and then once that kind of uh, the initial tracks and that initial recording sessions were done, Marley then took all the tapes and he took them back to London and he worked with uh, Chris Blackwell and they reworked a bunch of the tracks. They overdubbed um, a bunch of parts and they were really trying to make this music accessible to people in America and people in the UK. White people. Um, yeah, white people, basically, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so so they were doing a lot of things to, I, I think Chris Blackwell said it was like the most of overdubs he had ever put on a record to, to that point because they, they really wanted to enhance the songs because the market they were going after was kind of the, the, the rock market. Yeah. And it, it needed to have a certain, I, I guess, Dynamic. level of quality yeah a level yeah. of quality where where 
where people, you know, people are going to want to buy that. So, well, one thing I, I would urge anyone who hasn't, um, or if you have, you would know what I'm talking about. But if you were to go and download this from your favorite streaming service at this point, you would probably get Catch a Fire as two discs, if you will. And the first one would be the Jamaica versions. And the second one would be the version that if you ever bought this on CD when you were younger, um, that's the version you would know. And there is a very distinct difference between those two. And it, it struck me. I was listening to it today to brush up on it. And it struck me listening to the Jamaican versions because a lot of those, a lot of the keyboard, all the keyboard parts, except with the exception of the organ, um, a lot of those keyboard parts are gone. And in the beginning of Concrete Jungle, for example, there is not those those little electric guitar solos and riffs. And that, that beginning comes in very different. It's much more subdued with like acoustic guitar and it's really? kind of okay. cool. Yeah. I it, need to listen to it then. Yeah, I, I would recommend it. And I was kind of torn on him because there are some songs or some parts of songs, maybe even that I liked the version that I knew better right. because I like what they did with some of those overdubs and the keyboard parts. I think it adds to mm-hmm. it without taking away from what was already there. Uh, but there were some of them where I, I heard the, you know, I heard kind of the original part and I was, I, I was thought that was pretty cool because it was something, awesome. it was probably the way they intended it more or less. Cause I don't right. think they went into the studio thinking, yeah, well, we'll just let a bunch of white dudes come and uh, overdub right. electric guitar parts and everything yeah. else on this, yeah. you know? Yeah. Now did, uh, to your recollection, did, did Bob's vocals, did they sound pretty much the same or did he redo some of the vocals too? They did redo some of the vocals too. Um, I, it really struck me in Concrete Jungle. Okay. You know, because y- you get to know an album and, and you know every nuance of it and you can sing along with it. But when right. you're singing you're like, along oh. with it and all of a sudden, <laughs> like it doesn't match up with what you're singing, you're thinking like, what, what yeah. the hell? Yeah. No, it is amazing <clears throat> when you do do that with certain albums and just the certain way they sing it, the inflection, the tone, the cadence, all that stuff. And all of a sudden there's like a different version. It's yeah. You're like, Oh yeah. Minute. You it's, know, it's, it's a little off, yeah. a little off. So, um, <clears throat> so, so yeah, I mean this, you know, this, this album came out and I mean, it, it, it was, it sold and whatnot. I mean, it wasn't, it didn't go like triple platinum crazy, but it, 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 it I think, it did reach that a little bit wider of an audience and oh sure um you know at the time i think they said it it peaked at 171 of the billboard 200 which at that point for for just like a you know most people being exposed to reggae that's 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 probably not that bad for well no if you figure think about in 73 i mean you're dominated by basically british and american rock I, i mean yeah Totally. You know, Led there Zeppelin, there was a, maybe <laughs> a handful of Canadian bands in there, like the Guess Who or something, that were probably charting. But I mean, most of it was British or American. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. I mean, yeah, that, that's definitely it. I mean, that'd be a tough market to uh, to break into. And I think I, I think Chris Blackwell even said that 
people just they, they weren't listening to to reggae back then that just wasn't people just weren't weren't into it and i think it's i think it's one of those things that you know over time and probably even after bob marley's death more people are probably more fa- bigger fans of it after he died than than while he was actually alive for oh uh, sure as far as americans go <laughs> but but i mean you know one thing you gotta have to consider is how many people a had had been there to actually be exposed to it and you you oh. just didn't have access to music at that time the way that we do now right Right. You know, yeah. it, it, unless you knew about it for from something very specific, um, you, you probably yeah. wouldn't. But it's funny you talk about that sound. I was thinking about it and I was listening to it outside today. And the sound is so specific because my daughter, who's five, having no real i mean she's listened to a ton of music because my wife and i do but she you know doesn't have her own record collection yet yet. (laughs) she heard it and she goes dad that sounds like beach music Uh, you know like i mean it makes sense yeah but but for a five-year-old yeah for a five-year-old with like no real basis in any of it that's kind of telling yeah definitely no it, it, it certainly is funny that's really cool man really cool um, well, I think, I think we're probably getting to the point where we can kind of start getting into this album. What do you, what do you say, my friend? I do with the exception of the cover Deuterino. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm, and I'm glad you brought that up because that was another thing that I was actually going to say, like a lot, Hey, a lot of people, I judge books by their cover. I judge albums by their cover mm-hmm. and 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 we'll talk about you know the cover and the the first twenty thousand were were different than the CD cover that that we see of Bob Marley sure. smoking a big spliff. I don't know if I'm going into a store. I I mean I guess in '73 if I see a dude smoking a big spliff on the front, I might be interested in it. But do I want to spend the ten fifteen dollars taking a chance, especially if it's somebody I've never heard of? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, sure. Plus it's. Plus, it was probably in like the world music section, not like, you know, I don't even know. I mean, if you went to a record store in 73, do you think reggae had its very own section? I mean, it, well, it no, like such because a niche, uh, I imagine at that point you basically had blues, jazz and rock. You had no hip hop yet. Maybe maybe you'd have like soul, but yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. Well, why don't you tell us about the uh, the, the first cover of the album? Well, yeah, I didn't know about this until I read about it. And uh, the first cover was a obviously a vinyl record at the time. And it was an outer cover that was made to look like a Zippo lighter. And it actually had a little piece in there, so it was hinged. So when you would open it up, it would open up as a Zippo lighter would, which apparently that's a collector's item. And I mean, dude, no shit. I would love to have that in my vinyl collection, but I've, I've never even seen that other than just the picture in here. I swear to God, I swear to God, I have seen it. I I swear. I I don't know. Well, a couple things because, so they had the initial run was 20,000 of that version, 20,000 prints. And then they went to the, I think, the classic spliff version uh, that that all of us know. And then they reissued or they came out with a deluxe. I, I think it was the deluxe CD. And maybe that's 
I think that might be the packaging that I'm thinking of. They they came out with a CD version of it um, that when it was reissued, you know, in the 2000s, where I think that. Oh, that's had, cool. Had that, okay. had, had that had that packaging. So maybe that's where I saw it. But gosh, yeah, dude, to be one of those people who has that version. If, like, if whoa. anyone we knew would have that, it would be Gorman. And he's got a really good record collection. He sure as shit has a lot of Bob Marley in there. But man, yeah. that's twenty thousand is not a lot. That that is a collector's item. I don't. Even, I would love to know what that's worth. Man, what if you had that and didn't even have it opened? <laughs> I I'm cool. gonna be sick to my stomach. And now I want to look Just, at it. Not on camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think while you're looking that up, we can kind of get in. I'll start talking about the album a little bit. Um, it, uh, it it obviously came out as an as 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 a record, uh, two sides, and uh, it's it's a pretty short album. Uh, I think it was about uh, under forty minutes, and which I guess most albums were back then, but thirty six, thirty seven minutes, and now. I forget the what I saw online was that it has nine tracks and it ends with Midnight Ravers. But then there's other versions that you've seen, right? Yes, there is a uh, there is the the version that I think we would know that was probably the one we would have bought at the time, which was like a remaster, and there were two tracks at the end. High tide or low tide, and all day and all night. However, if right. you look at the Jamaican versions, all those were included. Right. So, pick a version. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm gonna have to go with the original release just because that's that's what we were okay. privy to as as we would have gotten. And I think that most people. Uh, who would listen to this have um, I haven't yeah. I haven't heard about a big following in Jamaica at this point no <laughs> definitely so not. yeah I, I mean right. you, you kind of go with those with those original nine songs and and that's mm-hmm. um, yeah that's that's what yeah. you got cool well the first song uh, off side one concrete jungle and I this this I mean, what a great way to start the album. I, I, I'm sure you will not be scratching this, and I won't either. This this could be my favorite Bob Marley song. The other one, my other favorite Bob song is Misty Morning, which is off Kaya. But I, this song to me is just, it's pretty badass. And I, I, it's, I, yeah, one of my favorite, I mean, easy. Yeah, I, I feel like it. this is one of the songs, and when I listened to it uh, recently again, that it... To me, it actually maybe steers away a little bit from the traditional kind of reggae uh, sound. Like, it, it, to me, it has it has a real kind of funk feel to it. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I really like the intro. So, you know, not to say, I mean, it it's, it's still reggae, but I, I feel like all the, the Marley that I'd listened to earlier and, and a lot of the other songs on this album, I would call more reggae. But this, it just kind of has that thumpy, bumpy kind of funk feeling to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I just, I don't know, I just like the way it moves. The 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 intro is, is cool. It's got, yeah, it's just, it's just got, it's just funky. And I, I think it's got great lyrics. 
Um, and the, uh, I don't know, but again, traditional kind of scratching of the, you know, guitar, reggae sound and everything. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that one thing you mentioned is that it felt a little different from that. And I feel like that's partly due to the intro. The, the intro is just a little, once you get into the song, it kind of goes into more what you would expect. But that, that intro is, is a little different. And, yeah. um, Again, I, I hate to bring it up again, but I would check out the Jamaica version the Jamaica because version. the, the intro is a little different and it's it's kind of cool. It's almost like a little darker. Right. Right. You know? Cool. Yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely going to check it out. But definitely. if you, you know, you talk about the theme of this album of kind of like. Um, uh, oppression, <laughs> oppression and kind of urban play. I mean, this this song, you, you couldn't nail it any better than the title and the lyrical content of this song. Right. Yeah. What does he say? He's like, my, you know, there's, um, no chains around my feet, but I'm not free. Mm -hmm. Uh, is basically, he feels like, you know, okay, he's free, but he doesn't have the feeling of, of that. And he's trying to navigate the, the world and, and, and how, you you know, how, how you, how you do that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good song. I'm, I'm loving it for sure. Yeah, one of my favorites, and, and and of course, then you continuing with the uh, theme of, of theme. oppression um, <laughs> uh, goes into Slave Driver, uh, which I, you're going like right to the root of it. There, I mean, yeah, way the the next two songs actually because you're, you're talking about <laughs> slavery basically, and then the history of slavery yeah. with 400 years. But but yeah, with Slave Driver. Um, which I think many people may confuse the title as catch a fire, right? Understanding the real meaning of what they meant when they said catch a fire makes complete sense. As I listen to that song now, uh, definitely. No, I, yeah, uh, that's the one thing that st- stood out to me as well. It, it definitely became more, more apparent making that, making that connection. Um, because yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's not, when you put when you put that translation in there it's not as i guess is almost happy it's like oh cool catch fire all right, let's get baked right like it, it's well, not I, that <laughs> i know and and that's the weird part because slave driver as a song doesn't have as dark of a feel as say it's the one that that comes after at 400 years and oh, so right. it's it's interesting because yeah it's talking about slavery but it it it, it doesn't feel as dark as the lyrical content is right right i i agree but and, and like you said then you go into 400 years which is peter tosh's first yep. song song on the album and and i think like we we mentioned earlier he he definitely seemed to take more of a a darker um uh, i'd say a aggressive approach but um I feel like when you compare his work to, to Bob's work, you know, Bob's talking about love and, and this, yeah. and it's kind of upbeat. Where where Peter Tosh is a little more intense. Dude, in, he in, had in, a in guitar fashion like an M sixteen. I mean, what else yeah. do you need to say? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. No, it, so this song is definitely, um, yeah, def, definitely, definitely uh, much darker. And uh, but when I was reading the words, it's kind of like. He he wanted people to be like, hey, it's been four hundred years of this. Like he, he wanted them to, yeah. Uh, th- this was almost you want to know. This is what it, I made the kind. So Bob does like you know get up, stand up, stand up for your rights. 
this is almost like his get up, stand up because he's telling people like, hey, we've been putting up with this shit for a long time. Like, get off your ass. Like, know that you can do this and we can do this together. Uh, You know, we we, got to do it. He's like, you've got the ability. You just can't see. You got to open your eyes and see. Yeah. And I think it was it was kind of like a rallying cry. Um, but but you contrast that with the way Bob does it, and you listen to a song like "Get Up, Stand Up," and they're, they're, the the feelings are very different, but the messages are are, are pretty much pretty the similar. Same. Yeah, yeah, so. yep. Um, one thing that I always really liked about this song musically was the intro to it gives you this beat, and it feels faster than anything that's come in thus far on the album and then all of a sudden when it actually hits it fucking drops right out to halftime and goes right into the <laughs> reggae beat but i love how it, it tricks is weird. you with that because it it wants you to feel like this is this is really gonna pick up more than anything else and then it just yeah you know it just jumps right back to it it's sweet yeah. I, I really like it's that. funny I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because <laughs> I've always I, and I've I've noticed that and and felt that, but I haven't been able to kind of articulate it that way. Where it's it, it has always felt like you're just starting to listen to it, and then the way it just shifts, it's almost it's it's almost uncomfortable a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I know. It when, I, when I listen to it, yeah, it does. So, um, and so we actually have uh, the next song. We have back to back Peter Tosh songs. He, yep. he did the Stop That Train as well. Um, which is, you know, again, singing about the troubles in Jamaica and I, I, you know, he wants to get out. It, it is, is, it seems to me like but is what he's kind in of a much, in a much less aggressive way, <laughs> but you know, again, in context, I mean, they were doing this song when they were recording with scratch Perry, which was what five, at least I'm going to say at least probably five, <sighs> six years earlier. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking mid to late 60s-ish, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this song had definitely been around for a while. And 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 I imagine in those five to six years, not a whole hell of a lot has changed. So, like, you know what? This song's still relevant. I think we're just going to put it put it out. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. But it does. It has um, one thing. And I I really like, and especially on this album, uh, the, the way in the reggae, uh, reggae and, and especially Bob Marley and the Whalers, the way they use harmonies is just is so yeah. good. What, whether it's whether it's uh, Peter Tosh and Bunny doing the harmonies in the background, and then um, and then also, but you know, Bob Marley, you know, they had the the I threes who would who would put in uh, the the three female vocalists, which I believe his uh, Rita Marley was also a member of the I threes, yep. uh, and. So they would put, you know, they would put in their vocals and the, just the use of the background vocals and the harmonies is, is always it's just such a nice touch. And it really adds adds some depth to to a lot of these songs. They, they do it really. Oh, well. yeah. Yeah, they do. So not to jump too far out. It looks okay. like it looks like in 2001, they also did a reissue of the vinyl with the Zippo cover. Okay. All right. I see well, maybe one, I've seen that too. I see one from Canada for a hundred and twenty-five bucks. One from somewhere else for two hundred and fifty dollars. And then there's a dude. There's a white label of it, like which is the original one of the original twenty thousand promos, yeah. and that's that's for like four hundred and fifty dollars. 
Well, I mean, if you're a collector, that's a steal. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I, I had that money, but I'd look <laughs> around for maybe one of the 2000 ones. Anyways, so. Yeah, right. <laughs> so back to the train. We we want to stop the train, but we're still on it. So now we go to Baby. Baby, we got a date. Yeah. Which is Rocket it, Baby. It, it, it's interesting Perens. because it's like a complete departure from everything yeah, that everything you have talked album. about so far. It's basically like all of a sudden you're not talking about any of these social issues. It's just like nope. you, you want to. No political. Yeah. It's get it on. It's his get it on, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's. Yeah. I don't think there's a whole lot that really needs to be left to interpretation here. Uh, that's that's pretty much what I what I get out of the song. It's it's upbeat. And he's like, hey, you know, whatever. It's what quarter to eight or something like, let's, yeah, let's get together and let's do this. Yeah, it's yep. it's, it's 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 pretty cool. Um, one thing is uh, and I don't know if this is something they did in Jamaica or they overdub later. I, I, I swear I heard kind of a slide guitar or something in, in the background. That was overdub later. Bit. And okay. you're okay. right. I, I believe that was the, the guy that they worked with from Muscle Shoals. Um, okay. His name you're is right. escaping me, but yeah. Yes. Muscle Shoals. Yeah. But basically a hired gun, you know, a studio musician. And yeah. honestly, the a lot of the stuff that he put in, I, I think is pretty cool because one thing that I had read that this guy didn't even know what reggae was and they just Wayne, they, they yep. got him to do this. Yeah, Wayne Perkins, is, it looks yeah. like his name is. Yeah. Didn't yep. know anything about reggae, and so they're like, Yeah, here put some guitar parts on this album. And I, I think he did a pretty cool job because it does do a fair job of bridging that sort of gap. And, and I do like the slide on that song. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, so then uh, after baby, we got a date um, and we got an on, flip it. Uh, we're going to f- flip it, flip it and rip it. Uh, we're going to uh, stir it up. And I, I think this is a great way to, to start the second side of the album. I think it's a really strong, song personally and oh yeah and in the way it kind of just comes in what what there's some and maybe you know what it is but it's it's the the way it sounds there's 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 an interesting sound in the beginning and i don't know if it's like a synth or a keyboard or some kind of twangy guitar but it's it it has has something in it that i it just really stood out to me and i i feel like i don't you don't typically hear it in like a reggae reggae yeah uh, i I honestly think it's just an electric guitar going through a real slow envelope filter. So, I mean, you know, like a wah-wah pedal, right? It basically just changes the tone from low to high with the movement of your foot. An envelope filter is the same thing, but it's a pedal, and you can set it so that it just automatically does it when you hit it. Okay. So you play the chord and it would go like, so you can set it to go from yeah, low so, to high. So, yeah. yeah and yeah, it just yeah, kind of like, yeah. op- it sounds like it opens up, you know? Okay, cool. Yeah. I was wondering what that was and that that's, it's gotta be what it is. Yeah. I think it's um, just a real slow envelope filter. Yeah. Yeah. And this one though is, it sounds to me, it's kind of like, at least from what I gathered, seems like kind of more of another like lovemaking song a little bit, you know? Yeah, uh, I, I can't really find a whole lot of, of uh, what it, if there is any meaning, but yeah, it definitely, I, I, maybe you don't need to look for it because I'd say the accompanying lyrics in the song pretty much tell the story. Yeah, right. So <laughs> yeah, I, I think Stir It Up is just kind of getting up in there. 
Yeah, that's, that's a good interpretation. That's what certainly is one way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get kinky. Uh, well, literally, kink, well, kinky reggae. Yeah, and I think one thing to to note about Stirred Up is a lot of people would know this song because it was covered by Johnny Nash, whom Bob Marley and the Whalers worked with and were on they, tour with. They tour, okay. In in the UK prior to doing this album, and so he covered this song, and I think that that hit the U.S. airwaves um, in in seventy three. And so a lot of people knew that song prior to ever hearing it from the Whalers. Bob, okay. Anyways. Cool. But yeah, get kinky. Get kinky. So kinky reggae. Um, Yeah, I I, I read the words. I don't really know what the song is about, uh, but to me it just sounds like kind of their... You know, I know I said like reggae has a sound and they have this sound. To me, this, this just sounds like... Sounds like a Bob Marley song. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but I mean, the words are are kind of dirty, you know. Yeah, because he talks yeah, about I, like I got a hit and run. I the only thing I can think of is it reminds me of that scene in um. Uh, no, no, <laughs> it, it reminds me of that scene in uh, whatever the the Will Ferrell and Luke Wilson movie is, where he's like, "I'm here old for the gangbang." Yeah, old school. Old school. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for the yeah. gangbang. Yeah, I mean, I thought that that could be what they're you know definitely talking about and referring to. And if he is, man, good for Bob. I mean, he he was. I mean, let's be honest. He was no stranger to the ladies. He was no, no stranger. No, nope. he had wives and girlfriends and kids and. He took care of business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got um, there. Right? So just kind of yeah. just throwing the roadmap out there before he had, you know, Ziggy and... And Iggy. And <laughs> I don't know all the others. But. Mi- Miggy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, then we go to the eighth track. And that is no more, uh, no more trouble. And this is a much slower, darker song, and it mm-hmm. does get back. It, it, this song gets back into the more of the, you know, p- political, uh, I guess, aspects. But but it comes at, uh, from more of a peaceful um, perspective. I feel with yeah. you know basically saying you know no more trouble in the world. It's 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 a call for peace and acting in love. Like hey, let's just can we just stop it so yeah uh that's i mean that's essentially what this the the song is about um and the the i3s they're on this song and they got good they're good harmonizing vocals too that's what stands out you know another one if you listen to the jamaican version what you will find that is not in this song is the clavinet mm. and the, the clavinet track is real nice in this song just kind of <laughs> I bet that pissed you off yeah it well it it's not so much that it pissed me off. A part of me was like, "Will somebody just give these dudes a clavinet? Like they're gonna do something odd? Like you know what I mean? Don't right, just overdub right. it. Like just send them a fucking D six. Like yeah. yeah, a D six or even a D five. I mean, if you got one lying around, it didn't go that way, dude. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, oftentimes they don't. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the last song on the album is this um, of. You know the, I guess the version, the original version, Midnight Ravers. Um, again, I for me, I'm not 100 percent sure what this song is really about when I read the lyrics. Um, but uh, 
my main note that I had. I, I thought it had some nice little organ riffs, and it's kind of to mm-hmm. me again. It's one of those. It's just kind of a sort of a standard Bob song where I'm like, hey. I just like having it on. <laughs> I kind of felt like it was about like the the kind of party late night culture. Okay. Um, you know, they talk about like you can't tell the woman from the man because they're dressed in the same pollution. Like it, it just kind of talks about like this real kind of I could party see hedonistic sort of, which is sort of ironic given the, <laughs> the lives of... You know, but but anyway, that that's what I could get out of it. I don't know if that's the case, but but when you do listen to lyrics, I mean, it's, um, you know, that makes that makes sense. It makes sense to me. Yeah. Too bad we can't ask Bob. Well, the the only lyric that I guess I never understood was I see 10,000 chariots. And they're not, you know, like drugged by horses or whatever. And that, that yeah, was, I, I, I guess that's where I got. Yeah, is the, it just like um, a big parking lot? <laughs> yeah, it's a, like cars? It's a, I don't know. In in that musical stampede, you know. Yeah. So you can you, make them out in that smoky place. Well, the other thing I wonder is if it has the any- riders. The riders they cover their face. I mean, maybe it's these people are pretending to be one thing while they're actually something else i mean that sounds pretty political right yeah the only thing i'm wondering is if it was if it had anything to do with the sound clashes in jamaica and i guess if you look back the the sound like they basically had like kind of they called them crews but they were almost like just local gangs or neighborhoods of people and okay. they and, and they would have a sound system and they would basically like square off and see who had like this this loudest sound system and just have basically like a musical fight um wow with with volume similar awesome. to the idea for tribal synth wars but a little different because theirs is volume <laughs> instead of synth patches but um in theory it's pretty much the same thing <laughs> yeah but i just i just wonder because that's uh if if you haven't ever heard about or, or looked up the sound clashes in jamaica it is a weird interesting thing to kind of listen to but it, it was you know it was like very early in reggae and dance hall music cool so oh, it good. would make sense because it kind of goes back within that culture all right well that's that's good to know good to know yeah. Um, well, one thing, and we haven't discussed this actually, uh, but there's a lot of political songs on this album. Now, now that we're we're at the end of the album, we're gonna pull out our screwdrivers. But I think in this, I think in this case, Grim, I think we should pull out our razor blades because, as you might remember in the documentary that I have, there was during there was a lot of political turmoil, and they had a lot of censorship. And so some early Bob Marley albums that were recorded, they would actually in they showed in the factory, the pressing factory, there were certain tracks that they would take a razor blade and they I would cut remember. through. They would cut through. So that way, when the album is playing on your turntable, the needle just goes to the next song. <laughs> so and I think it's, it's kind of like they foresaw the podcast before it ever started and made the decision yeah. for you. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at this album, I bet there's like 
one, two, three, four. I mean, dude, there's like three songs that you probably would hear that wouldn't be scratched from from them. They'd be like, "Baby, we got a date. Stir it up and kinky reggae." After that, it's you know, yeah. I mean, why you're even like, put on well, the to- yeah, the first half of No More Trouble, sweet. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, I do uh, remember that now, and that's a really interesting point. And I think yeah. that was primarily a Jamaican <laughs> thing, right? Yeah, no, it was, it was, yeah. But I think, and I'm not sure, obviously there's been turmoil, um, but I I think by the time this album came out, I could be completely wrong, maybe the um, certain leaders and certain powers were not, you know, in power at the time when when those uh, the earlier Marley records and stuff came out were so that I think the censorship might might have gotten lifted a little bit. Well, yeah, was, and this was definitely pre Manly and Siaga, right? That's what I don't know. I think this album might be Poe. I don't know. I don't know. I thought that was later, but I, I could be wrong. I think or not album. Man- I mean that that whole period. I guess. Era, yeah, I think did Manly win and he took over? I, I think he did. I gotta brush up on my Jamaican history, man. Yeah, yeah. This is not what it used to be. So, well, anyways, I actually, I'm just gonna watch that documentary. Anyways, all right. So, I think for this one, we need to pull out a razor blades. Yeah. So, I think it's time. You wanna, you wanna uh, scratch first? Yeah. Um, if the razor blades in my hand, I'm gonna take a big cut through kinky reggae, dude. Oh, okay. All right. It just, uh, it's a fine song. I mean, I don't have anything against it, but it just be, because lyrically, I don't really see it as being about a whole lot, given the weight of the rest of the album. It's kind of hard to categorize it uh, in the same, you know, I guess it'd just be because of that, it'd be an easy one for me to scratch. Yeah, I I can see that, and to me, like I, I think, just like we said, like baby, we got a date, stir it up, and kinky reggae are kind of more of the love making songs or whatever on the the album. Um, but to me, kinky reggae, it's not as sexy as baby, we got a date or stir it up. So I think that's why you know I would agree with you with with you know if I had to pick from those three songs, kinky reggae would be the the one that I would I would cut. Um, <clears throat> The one I actually have, and uh, it, I, I think it fits the album and it fits the theme of the album uh, very well. But I don't know, maybe it just doesn't really do it for me as much. I, I, and I love Peter Tosh, dude. I love him. But there's a part of me that's like, you know, I only want to give you one song in this album. So I'll give you, I'll give you 400 years, Peter, but I'm going to scratch out Stop That Train. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, uh, for me, there's just something that it just just doesn't do it for me. I mean, I you know I, I I like Peter Tosh and everything, but when I'm listening to this album, and it, I, I think he's a great artist, but I, I kind of want to just hear Bob. But I love yeah. I think 400 Years is great. I think it's a really good statement. I think it's a powerful statement, um, and I feel like it's a stronger um, when I take when I look at 400 Years and stop that train. Um, I feel like 400 years is the, the stronger song of, of those two. So okay. that's kind of, that, that's, that's kind of why I go with, with stop my train. No, that, that's fair. Well, it's, it's stopped now, dude. Yeah, it's done. It's scratched. So, 
Well, I think that wraps up uh, Bob Marley, Catch a Fire. A really, yeah. really good album. And we highly recommend listening to it whenever. There's multiple versions out there. You can listen to the Jamaican one, the American one, the one with 11 tracks instead of nine tracks. I mean, you, you, have, you have options. You definitely mm-hmm. have options. So, uh, yeah. So, we, uh, we're we good. I think uh, Bob Marley, Catch a Fire is officially scratched. Scratched. By it, the which, Yeah. Yeah, first reggae. Yeah. First reggae. Yeah, it's our first reggae. We'll have some more. Jeez, I don't even know. You know, before we get off here, uh, I saw a lot of things where this was ranked in some of the rankings. It was ranked um, of all time albums just behind Legend. And Which I'm like, is, dude, Legend is a compilation. Yeah, like, thank you. Like, like, you can't. You can't do that, man. Dude, that's the uh, one that you listen to when you go to a resort on vacation. Yeah, Sorry. That's fine. Like, if yeah. you really l- like Ray, uh, look, the Whalers and Bob Miley, like, you're going to listen to their albums, not yeah. fucking legend. Not legend. So, yeah. No woman, no cry. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, everyone, thank you for listening. It was a fantastic time. I'm glad uh, we got to bring a little reggae into your life. And, yeah, and dude, hopefully, we scratched uh, Catch a Fire, and, dude, we scratched all of fucking legend right there. <laughs> I know, dude, we should have been smoking a bowl. Jeez, this is, you know, what were we thinking? I'm yeah. just drinking just drinking a seltzer. So, yeah. anyways, on that note, we've obviously rambled on way too long at the end of this, so we're going to sign off. Uh, take care. We'll be seeing you soon. Scratch a track is produced by the dude and Grimm. Additional music provided by Moore, that's dot 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 M-O-R-E, and the Tims, T-I-M-N-Z. Copyright 2020, The Dude and Grimm Show. <laughs>